Mermani Press presents Neanderthal King by Matt Ward. More information on the author at mattwardwrites.com. You can purchase Neanderthal King in its entirety or download the entire audio masterpiece free with a free trial of Audible at neanderthalking.com. Want to follow along with Merrillick's adventure? For a limited time, grab your free illustrated map of Tarkal and the Six Kingdoms of Septum by visiting mattwardwrites.com slash map. Again, that's m-a-t-t-w-a-r-d-w-r-i-t-e-s dot com slash m-a-p. But now, let's get on with the adventure. Chapter 14 Quite the trickery. Once the shock of escaping Adawa sank in, I had to sit. But there were sailors everywhere. The entire swabbed bow, covered with raucous work. We found freedom on cramped crates below decks, dim and quiet. I needed the space. So many conflicting thoughts. The impossibility of it all. Doric must have sensed my tension because he said, been a good while since my last adventure. I hear Doror Ledeck could use a nifty swordsmith. Nothing beats forging a proper blade. But what about the beads? I felt horrid. He'd been a wealthy man if it weren't for me. Set for his days. Riches without honour ain't worth having. I finished my contract or near enough that the soothing bastard deserves his lot. I'll survive. He put a hand on my shoulder. I had a son once, long ago. He died. In many ways you remind me of him. A pained laugh as he looked away. In others, couldn't be more different. I said nothing. No need to prod his weakness. Did Raynard tell your tale? He said to change the subject. How'd you pass among the sap crew unbothered? He had. The captain owned a few prize fighters I'd be training for the upcoming games. As if on cue, a deep drawl from topside. Hey, kid, you ready? A chimney tall with a crooked nose, long butcher's arms and skin rougher than a whinny's ass appeared. Captain says it's time. Name's you Gallic. He offered an anvil of a forearm. Merrick. I lied, repeating what Raynard had harped into me. Quick introductions, and Ugalek headed up the shaky steps, bulging torso rocking with the waves. It'd be quite a brawl. He led the way to a roped-off section of mid-hull where a stirring crowd had gathered. They hushed as we approached, whispered odds flying, a rushed anticipation. For many... The games was the highlight of the passing. We'd, of course, never been. Didn't take long before Captain Nazir come to give his spiel. Welcome aboard, the steel-faced trap said. Follow your orders. The usual song and dance. He clapped Ugalek's scarred shoulder. Me boy here is to be in the games a flash of pride in his hard eyes. But there'll be no gambling or dicing on this here ship. 
or it's overboard with you. Got it? Same with fights. No whinnying around. No bull's eggs. All right, ladies? A weak chorus of yeses. I said all right, you piss-poor lot of wenches. Now let's kick this air voyage off right. A rough shove slammed me forward towards the shirtless champion. A nod of assent before a brutal whirlwind of elbows and bruises, smashing to the deck half a dozen times. Ugalek was a man about the whole thing. Helped me to my feet each time, only to pound me once more after I'd righted myself. A slog of too slow and vicious punishment. Toward the end, he feigned a strike which I sprang to avoid. His leg sweep took me down, and he was on me at once, legs locking my stomach, arm crushing my throat. I choked, struggling but couldn't free myself. I couldn't quit either. Wouldn't quit. Never. I opened to stinging brightness, a throbbing headache, staring skyward. Ugalic bent and offered his hand as my head spun. Totally disoriented. Where was I? Looked up, but the crowd had cleared, struggled as he helped me to my feet. Quite the trickery there, I said. A false punch. A crowless smile. Not a pinch of pride in him. That's a choker. Can show you if you like. Said I would. Would love to learn. He promised to share the secret on the morrow, and we headed to the mess in a light knack amidst all kinds of men and tall broads. Made quick work of the cheap, salted fish and picked it clean. Wiped my hands on my trousers like Alaric had said, but couldn't manage a decent belch. I'll compliment the cook later. He wasn't much of a talker, so I took the lead. What's your story? A shrug of those broad shoulders. He'd been a hunter, like all in his clan since the start of time. Mostly elk, but it got worse. The night of me writes, everything changed. He'd been in Vraden's wood, the first of four lonely nights when they found him. The traders, or slavers, I suppose the right word. How they missed the village or our scouts is beyond me. You know what happened next. I did. It wasn't new. Same as me. Most tall, probably. Least in these parts. But it brightened up after that. He'd been picked up by the captain. High as bitter he was. Bought some Solarius texts, too. Or maybe it was Notorious. One of them half-sea gods. He finished his tale and looked at me expectantly. An internal battle as uncertainty raged. Wanted to tell him about William, but ought I? Wanted a friend, some my age. But for all I knew, he was a rat. Sure, he wasn't a sap, but his owner was. Couldn't risk it. Doric popped his head out of the kitchen and saved me the trouble. Waved me over. How'd the tumbling go? I sighed. He really was the queerest tall. Hadn't even bothered to watch. I winced. That bad, huh? He said. Practice makes, well, better, I suppose. I just heard a roar of a jest. This'll cheer you up. Why do dragons sleep all night? I rolled my eyes, craned my head. 
came away blank. Why, I said at last, so they can fight knights. He waited, grinning, beaming proud as pins. You mean, why do dragons sleep all day? His eyes narrowed. Aye, whatever, you get the point. Sleep nights, funny, <laughs> When I said nothing, he flushed and slipped back into the kitchen. Shite for humour. After Knack, it was time to get back to work, whatever that meant. Ugalek told me he and I were to scrub the already spotless floors. Swab them, as he liked to say. Pointless, totally pointless. Hot sun burnt down as I grabbed the worn sandstone hunk, soaked the wedge, bent over the endless deck and started scrubbing. It was going to be a long trip. Chapter 15. Off to a Great Start The following days passed in a deadening series of swollen bruises. Made progress, but had my ass handed to me every time. Even the sailors stopped showing up. Too mundane to matter. But I did get the hang of sanding and swabbing. Turned out it wasn't fruitless, least how Ugalek told it. What ain't meant to hold water. Or to go from wet to dry. Rain like a sieve below decks if topside dried out. Hence the saltwater bilge. Sealant keeps us afloat and dry. Our levelled out pitch continuously waterproofed the whole damn ship. Least there was a purpose. Still sucked bull's eggs. We were racing to finish the last of the bow when the gong sounded. A reverberating crash to awaken the sea spirits and all the snoring saps in the mid-cabin. We sprang to our feet as blearied hornets poured topside, buzzing and angry and jumpy, running to the sides, chaos until the captain appeared, and the whole crew froze into place, all forty-five awaiting orders. Someone pointed, and we turned as one to see the death-black Algurus warship cruising towards us, billowing dark sails racing forward, as Gurr's golden mane danced in the wind. An immediate hush as voices fell and men squinted, a worried rumbling as someone whispered the fear in everyone's heart. Pirates. As the closest tall, the captain grabbed me. Use your eyes. What is it, boy? Before I could respond, another yelled, Raiders! The captain pushed me away and sprinted for the helm. Man the ship! Battle stations! No one moved. Battle stations? I said, Battle stations! He roared. And the crew exploded into action. Swords retrieved, crossbows handed out, four cloaked longbowmen running to the fore of the vessel, another preparing the tallowed torch. Time slowed as the dark sail sped towards us. Bowstrings tensed. Nobody moved, not a twitch or a sound. An hour later, the ship looked no closer than before. Are we moving? I whispered to Ugalik. And why not avoid the brigands? Cap never flees a good fight, lives for it. A man of my own heart. I readied myself. They were closer now. Soon, olive faces came into view, shocked finery and silk 
surprised merchants, a golden scorpion on the side. Lower your weapons! Lower your weapons! the captain screamed. Hold your fire! It was Emperor Moti's personal seal, the all-powerful man himself, or one of his skiffs. A plaguish tension as everything stilled. Across the way, the Africans did likewise, black eyes darting between us and their cloaked leader. Neither boat stopped, didn't even slow. Their confused faces mirrored ours as they rowed away. Africans from the east didn't want to think about what that meant. Didn't have to, as Nazir's yells shattered the ether. Get back to work! He reached into his pocket and grabbed a bronze compass, holding it steady as we settled. Ugalek tapped my shoulder. Time for another good swabbing. By the time we saw land again, much had changed. My pale skin was tan, body hardened, and I could hold my own against Ugalek, least enough for a sporting fest. And with the Iraq between us and Boren, was as if a birthing heifer was lifted from my chest, a deadening anchor of branded dread cast from my bootstraps. On the last day, a particularly rough tosser, where I pinned Ugalek twice. We celebrated like lads in the mess as any good tall would, with shoddy ale and hand-smashing contest. This time, I won. All was well until Captain Nazir slammed the door open. Watch your fanny's looking at. Get back to work. Ugalek rubbed his newly healed back. The lash made a man think twice of skipping swabbing. Nazir grabbed my arm with a threatening glare. You stay, Merrick. Ugalek and the others escaped as Nazir held a warning finger to his brown lips. Listen, boy. Once we anchor, you'll slip ashore to friends of ZP, Caravan Carters. They'll bring you north, wherever you're headed. Didn't say where. Meet the van's master's wife, Ellis. At Princess Proper. You're to be her personal tall. He slapped my thick head. Got it, boy? I clenched my fists, but managed to nod. I wasn't bloody daft but said nothing. We were too close. Lerax's slaver's dream, be careful. Leave at dusk. We ain't coming to save you. Now get out of here before the king's spies notice. I ain't know nothing about any of this. And like that, our journey came to a close. The captain held off unloading the goods until morn. A string of pirates scoundrelly had half the coast on alert. He wasn't taking any chances, but we were. We crept topside and passed the night ward who was snoring like an ass from the extra pint I'd slipped him earlier and snuck to the retracted gangway. It's a dice's risk, I whispered, too loud for any trickery. Doric nodded, looked down and braced himself, checked his satchel and change purse. Then without warning, he jumped. Bloody shiting karma, was he mad? A powerful splash from the horrifying depths below, ages above the waves, so damn high. 
Doric's face emerged from the icy depths with a gasping smile. What you waiting for? I couldn't swim. Frozen hesitation. Footsteps from across the deck headed our way. Damn it to everything. I flung myself overboard, careening towards the murky waters. The air burst from my lungs as frosty waves enveloped me, flailing. Somehow, I hog-hauled myself to the water's edge. Doric grabbed a shipper's mooring and climbed out. I followed, fast as my thundering heart allowed, collapsed onto the deck, knees buckled. Never again, you got Damn slag. Doric laughed. The fear of a little water, you chicken-footed cur. I sat up and he offered a hand. We'd made it. Lirac. About to pat my friend on the back when someone yelled. We took off as a torch turned towards us. Off to a great start. Chapter 16 Lions and Lust Even in darkness, Lirac was hauntingly impressive. Towers stretching four stories and more. Stone everywhere, with cobbled roads fit for an army. Flickering shadows around every corner. We rounded a three-angled temple of Zorak and swung behind a bawdy tavern loud with voices. An imposing red drac dominated the east, its burning torches floating in the eerie night like souls cast awry. The burly figure who'd been chasing us approached, face hidden, a ruddy sap. The cloaked phantom rushed into the pub with his blade at the ready, our cue. I grabbed Doric's elbow, and we sprinted through the streets to a half-converted square with a wrecked fountain from the time of the tall. Our clothes were drenched and icy shivers raked me. We needed to find the princess proper, soon, and a fire. My innards told me it'd be this way, and like witchery, the tall stone building came into view. A creaky red sign with the image of a haughty maiden. Must be the place. I opened the door. Ruffian eyes the moment we splattered onto the worn wood floors bore down on us from a small group of gruff tri-tankards and two nuded strumpets. Where was Elise? The minstrel song of lusting pestilence died on her lips. Ironic, yet silent and tense. No one said anything. Doric took another squelching step into the candlelit commons. Hey, what do you want? A hefty sap broad with a haggard face and busy hair by the barreled whiskey asked. Razed eyes scrutinized us like a swindling butcher of spoiled meat. We ain't for free boarders in these parts. We can pay. Doric reached for his purse. We couldn't miss Ellis. Sure you can. But what makes you think I take your tall bead? A royal bead's a bead, I said. Or have you enough? Counted my lucky stars and wondered what William would say next. Maybe I had learned a craft or two. The wench curled her lip. Fine, but you lot pay up front. Ain't taking no tall tab. The fare? Asked as I grimaced. You never asked the price. But he had, and counted two beads. 
to her head. She replied with a smirk when she saw they were Adwenian, the emerald-eyed African in fine silks at the table nearest the hearth, raised an eyebrow, but said nothing as Doric's jaw clenched. He handed over the ludicrous sum, and the lass smiled, snatched them without hesitation. Name's Bridget. Pleasure doing business with you. Your room's upstairs, top floor, at the end. Grab a bowl while the getting's good. She gestured to the back room, where a tall had just emerged carrying a steaming mug of something fishy fine. Roaring stomachs sent us hurrying into the doorless kitchen, where the cook took metal mugs from the mounted rack and ladled clam stew with carrot nubs into our cups. Mouth-watering. A taste like nothing I'd ever had. I continued to sip as we headed for the small table with the other tall and the African. We sat after a half-nod and a little more. The wiry African's eyes kept darting our way, his fingers an endless fidget. At last he said, What to happen to you lot? Doric sighed. Long story, my lad. An angry lass if you catch me whiff. The name's Didrick. Yours? Pemba. Here for trade. A polished smile seeking partners for his imperial highness, the great and powerful, the wise and just, the ruthless and fearless, Emperor Moti. Quite the talker. Luckily, the tall finished his meal and joined in. He had the sun-scarred face of a sailor, roping hands and arms that hauled a fair share of masts. What of Moti's interests in Kaskal? he asked without bitching around. India, mostly, Pemba answered. And the islanders, of course. They make the best warships. Which spun into a heated debate, but I wasn't listening, having eyes only for the woman who'd just entered and slunk into a booth in the far corner. Was that her? Seemed poor for a van leader's wife. Simple brown cloak over a pale tunic and skirt face devoid of powder. Still, her lips were sweet as cherries and pale blonde curls disguised the raging intensity in her almond eyes. But it was there. This was a serious lass. This was Ellis. I booted Doric under the table, and he looked up but kept talking, something of an islander ritual when a broad's water broke on the high seas, managed to catch Ellis's eye, and nodded toward the door rose, and she followed. Into the drizzling night as our eyes adjusted to the threatening dim, about to speak when she hooked my elbow and led me toward Nellie. You, Merrilek? She said in a hushed voice. I nodded. Good, and my name is Ellis. A quick sigh of relief. Good, that's out of the way. We're off morrow at first light. Vance camped at the eastern gates, near the old Zarak den. You can't miss it. You best be there. We will. We? She tensed as her eyes strafed me. Reynard ain't said nothing about no we. You mean them three lads in there? She jerked a crooked thumb back at the inn. Just Doric, I described the green-eyed tall before hastily adding. He'll pay his way. 
Her face hardened as she pulled the cloak tight around herself. Tell no one. Not even folks in the van. It's gotten dicier these days. What with Lyrak's allegiance to Francis? Bloody Africans got him scared. A weighty pause. Remember, sun up, eastern gate. We won't wait. And she didn't either, disappearing into the fog. Odd broad. Realised I liked her for some reason as I headed back in. You'd be shocked, the other tall was saying. India's a better land for free tall. Been living amidst for centuries, thousands of passings maybe. And with islander trade and their gluttonous want of true craftsmanship, a tall can make a decent living. Was he an Easterner? I asked him. Seemed all too pale. Nay, he replied. But travelling there oft ought. I'm a free sword. He added as my eyes narrowed. Go where the going's good. Headed east now. Turned out Pemba was headed north. He'd be riding with the caravan as well. The night was a blaze of one-uppery and daring tales. Pemba even claimed he'd seen Gurr's heir. A man-lion, imagine. But it was a right good time, nonetheless. Just enough ale for outlandishness without teetering into the sap-busting brawl the slags in the corner wanted so bad. A real shame. Would have loved a good tosser. Instead, we hit the hay once even the strumpets had given up pursing romp. I slept like a grave and needed it. Awoke to the rocking of a ship's deck. Stomach swirling. Doric's bleary form sat next to me, blinking back drunken stupor. Light rained in, something tugged at my brain wheels. The van. Doric! I leapt to my feet and ran for the door. Doric thudding after me, down rickety steps and out the door, sprinting hard. We'd need God's damn lucky dice to make it. The gate came into view as we crested a small hill on the city's outskirts. Dust clouds of the van's tail in the distance. Racing harder, passing Zarek's shattered den and a pregnant lass slaughtering her final lamb before labour right before the gate. Quite the heifer. Armed guards stepped forward. Saps. Both bore wooden spears, short swords at their sides and carmored scowls on their ugly faces. The taller lad with an inbred chin raised his weapon. The duty. What duty? Doric demanded. There weren't duties for leaving a city. The other pig-faced soldier smirked. Two beads, one each. My fists clenched as Doric shook with anger. Honourless, guiling sows. A problem? Pigface asked. Where are your papers? Shite. I stared at my feet and mumbled. Look, kind sires, we'll pay the duty and be on our way. By now a small crowd of saps had stopped to watch, thanks to man and his son atop a scrawny whinny that had slowed traffic. My hands itched to kill the cheating bastards, even as I controlled myself, playing the miserly beggar. To each, I gestured at Doric. The blustering smith grabbed the beads and slapped them into the swindler's fat fingers, and the greedy sods moved to let us pass. A ripping chuckle from the crowd as we hurried away. A little girl even gave me the thumb. The thumb! She must have been six or seven. Her eyes spit poison. 
We'd have to watch our backs here. These people had suffered much under tall rule. Two hours later, we caught the stragglers of the van, made our way to the front, where Elise was talking with the granite-cut African, huge and dark as pitch, bald as ivory. A massive pelt vest covered his considerable chest, his voice a high lilt that matched his queer, flowery whiff. Odd bloke. She brushed me away without a glance as we approached, and instead we fell into the long procession, a dull, thudding rhythm until Pember appeared. You ladies made it? What took you so long? A rowdy maiden, I hope? We laughed. Jests came easy to him, a natural charmer, and for a sap he wasn't half bad. After a few more lewd roarers, he said, I'm a head off. Chango wants to have a words. He left and Doric and I were once again alone, other than fifty-odd carters, kids and gaudy gypsies on the endless dirt road. A road to freedom. Just four more fortnights. Could be worse. We marched until well past midday and didn't knack until the van's lead decided to rest the panting whinnies. We pulled alongside a small stream and plopped next to a double-chin trader whose ruddy face matched the rubies he carried north. His tall slaves and trio of armoured guards stood ready as the plump princess folded his legs, opened a leather satchel, and took out chunks of dried cheeses and meat smelled hideous in a mouth-watering way. But was he truly eating that on the road? Seemed a bit lofty. I sized him up. Tailored tunic, soft hands, a portable sundial in his polished bag. He didn't say a word, gazing through us to a bearded fox of a trader with sharp nose, sharper eyes, and steel at his hip. In his cart, too. Shoddy work at best, Doric commented with a scorning wave. The man must have heard, glared, stood, looked at his blades and strode towards us. Shoddy? And why would I, a mercer with five passings in the trade, listen to you? Doric stood. Master Swordsmith, Dejurek Smorthal, at your service. He offered a hand. The fox's black moustache twitched. I see. Yusuf Mercer. Shoddy, huh? What's wrong with them? Where to begin? Tips too narrow and fragile. The fuller, a bit deep. See these spots? He pointed out several discolorations. Impurities are high. And if your smith missed all that, well, wouldn't trust the heating or quench either. He sized the guy up. Where'd you get these? It took the man a moment to respond. His face had gone from dark to storming. I see. But will Doror Ledeck? Might. I wouldn't fancy being the deliverer. Brahmi be damned, Yusuf said under his breath. I've a hundred short swords and two dozen broads. Great price as well. Ledeck is desperate. Already? Really that bad, I asked. Last I heard, Isaac pushed the heathens to Kraj with 50,000 strong. I'm to bring this lot. 
Yusuf gestured with a clouded face. To Karak for the Daror's final stand. Barsa will be trapped by the Rikak unless he retreats south. But that's not safe either. Double Chin's brow furrowed as he hefted himself up. No small feat, and walked over. He introduced himself and shoved Doric and I out of the conversation. Yusef's eyes flashed, but the fat trader seemed not to notice as he droned of potential partnerships, emeralds and rubies. We excused ourselves, and Mercer did likewise, half quarter hour later. The first week was naught but farmland and a peppering, poor towns that reminded me of home. Getting cold, but no snow yet. Thank gods for the little things, as Vaux Garrick always said. Not that her gods had done us much, but maybe her dice had turned. I'd never know. On that Thursday, we stopped for Knack at the first lake we'd seen in days. Snow threatened the blustery forests, and the sparkling water was a welcome respite. The whole van took the chance to fill their skins, and I, smelling like arse, as Pember had twice told me, decided it was time for a bath. Water wasn't getting any warmer. I stripped naked and handed my clothes to Doric. Watch these for me. He shrugged, polishing off the last of the squirrel we'd caught last night as I hurried towards the water's edge. Icy water stabbed my legs as I entered where no sap dared, and I dove in, soaked my now shoulder-length curls, shivering as my nether regions shrank. Least there were no pretty tall lasses on the trip, and I'd never risk the pestilence with a sap. In time my heart stopped hammering ice, and I could enjoy the view. A wild and free mountain backdrop, snow-covered peaks, and ancient pines stretching the horizon. A sweet, woody resin smell that reminded me of better times. A brief scrub. I'd had enough. Raced out of the water to the nearest fire where Pember was roasting a dead rabbit and chatting with Doric. I pushed them out of the way and draped my loins over the fire, smoke bathing me in comfort. Don't let that short sword get too low, Pember said with a laugh. Doric had a hearty chuckle as well, his booming laugh warming my soul further as he patted me on the back. His hand froze and he did a double take, reached down and touched the silver three-angle birthmark below my ribs. Have you always had that? he asked. I turned, adjusting to heat my ass to a satisfying sizzle. Sure, what of it? He shook his pale face. No reason? Just queer. That's... that's all. You know in the Far East, the three angles supposed to be lucky, like sixes or black cat here? But I wasn't listening. Pember's rabbit looked mighty good. He caught me staring. Sorry, lad, not at this time. My stomach rumbled as I peered through what was left of our packs. Doric had finished the last of the damn apples as well gluttonous sod. An ember missed my manhood by naught but a pinch, a burning hiss. It was time for those trousers. The horn sounded. Time to go, too.
You have been listening to Neanderthal King by Matt Ward. For more information on purchasing the complete epic fantasy adventure or to download the entire audio masterpiece free with a free trial of Audible, visit neanderthalking.com.